On today's show, I'll talk about the exact strategies and habits that I used to join the top 10% of sellers worldwide at Salesforce. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. I'm super excited because I just got a package in the mail. Now, I'm not sure about you all, but I love getting packages. Even if I know it's it's coming or on the way, there's just, you know, there's always a surprising element to unboxing something and I enjoy that feeling. Anyway, the, the reason this package is so special is because it's a package that has been sent to the top 10% of sellers globally at Salesforce as a reward for being selected into the Account Executive Excellence Academy here. I got this uh, this neat little plaque, uh, a mini speaker, this t-shirt that I'm wearing, and a, and a pretty sweet hoodie too. So uh, not, not a bad swag package at all. Uh, I'm going to be wearing this shirt and this hoodie a lot. And I'm not sharing this to gloat, but since this podcast is all about winning and high performance, I thought that telling you how I got here might be a good topic for an episode. So that's what's on the agenda today, the exact strategies, habits, and mindset I've used over my entire career in order to get to where I am today, which includes becoming the number one SDR, BDR, and account executive on my teams at Salesforce and joining the Sales Excellence Academy here. When I first got to Salesforce, I was already a decorated seller at TD Bank, which was my previous role. So I walked in feeling pretty good about myself. But as soon as I started shadowing people, and actually actually hearing them on the phone, I could tell that this tech sales thing was just a whole different ballgame. I didn't understand the problem we were solving pretty well either. Um, I didn't fully grasp the product, yet I still got the job. Um, so I, you know, was able to sneak in there, luckily. And I just got I just felt kind of lost, if I'm honest. So I knew very early on that if I wanted to succeed here. I had to check my ego at the door. And that's really the first step in becoming an elite performer. You have to treat yourself as if you're a brand new beginner in your field without letting your ego take over. You need to constantly be asking questions and not be afraid to do so. I can damn near guarantee you that there were people on my team that were mildly annoyed by my constant bombardment of questions. You have to be willing to look like a fool and you might look like a fool, but so what? you'll be better off because of it. You know how they say nobody likes a keener? Well, even more than that, nobody likes a know-it-all. This was something I really got hit with when I made the transition from BDR to AE. I thought I knew everything about sales from prospecting to closing and negotiation. After all, I spent the entire year that year consuming tons of sales books, podcasts, and videos. I was ready to get the heck out of BDR and get into the account executive role. It wasn't until I actually made the jump that I realized how wrong I was. I wasn't even close to prepared. So again, I had to eat a slice of humble pie, get time on the calendar with the top performers and my team, 
and then made the necessary shifts from there. So that's tip number one. It's leave your ego at the door. Tip number two, sales is a game of attrition. The person who falls off the wagon the least wins. Now, what does this mean? It means, I mean, look, sales is a hard profession to be in. No matter how you slice and dice it, we're faced with objections, no-shows, pushed meetings, rejection, pressure every single day. And this can make it really hard to stay the course sometimes. For example, when it comes to something like prospecting, which you should be doing every single day, it can very easily get into a slippery slope of not prospecting at all. You might have a day where you send 20 emails and make 20 calls, not get a single meeting, but instead get hung up on, get emails asking you to stop spamming, or as I've experienced a few times, you know, just get sworn at and insulted. I remember one of my first SDR calls at Salesforce, um, this prospect on the phone was telling me how God hates me and, you know, um, doesn't want to be on planet earth or something like that. And it was, it was a shocker because it was very early on. So, um, that's sales. And after a day like that, it's not out of the, the imagination that you might start to think that your prospecting doesn't work. So maybe you take the next day off and start trying to get more success with people you've already connected with. And then, you know, quickly one day can become two, two becomes four and so on and so on. Now, look, I'm not saying uh, top performers don't have days off like that as well. But where an average performer might take a week to get back on the horse, a top performer may take one or two or the best may take none. They know that as, they lo as long as they put in effort consistently, even if they're not the most gifted or talented seller, their hard work will pay off in the long run. Consistency will win you more deals than talent ever could. So sure, a break here and there, totally fine. But the quicker you back, get, back, get back on the horse, the better chance you have at being a top performer. Tip number three, set some BHAGs, all right? BHAG, what is a BHAG? A BHAG is a big, hairy, audacious goal, all right? Now, for me, the, the formula in sales has always been super straightforward. I get a quota, all right? Now I got to figure out, okay, this is my quota. This is how much pipeline I need to achieve that quota. This is how many meetings I need to set to achieve that pipeline. And this is how many activities I need to do to get that many meetings. Sounds straightforward. But what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, these companies, they set the quota for you and that's the bare minimum. But in a job that pays you for your performance, why would you ever want to do the bare minimum? You'd want to challenge yourself to go above and beyond and then work backwards. You want to set these goals that scare you that, you know, that to a degree don't feel realistic because maybe someone else hasn't achieved it or um, just feels completely outside of your comfort zone, right? And this will force you to think in a new way, to go through some thought exercises of, wow, how do I hit this new scary stretch goal that I've set for myself. Now, look, I don't want you to, you don't have to get outlandish with it. Like I'm not asking you to, to, um, you know, hundred X your quota or anything like that. Um, so, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but I think even doing something like, you know, doubling, tripling your quota in your mind and asking the question, 
what would I need to do if I wanted to get there? You know, what accounts would I need to go after? What kind of messaging would I need to create if I were to do something like that? So these will get the wheels turning in your head and it'll also raise your level of activity to one of an elite performer, right? Now that you have something that's well beyond your quota, you will um, have activities that reflect that, right? And missing the goal isn't a bad thing. I remember in my first year um, selling into small business at Salesforce, uh, I set this crazy goal of a million dollars in sales, which was almost 3x my quota. I actually ended up hitting 2.3 million. Now, let's not get it twisted. There were factors of luck that were baked into that. But had I never set that goal in the first place, this would have never happened. And then, of course, the following year, I was like, all right, well, I got to top that. And, um, I don't know why, but I know Grant Cardone has a has a mixed um, you know, uh, impression in the sales community, but... The 10x rule was something that always stood out to me. He always talks about, you know, 10xing results, 10xing your goals, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, all right, um, 1 million was my goal last year. Why don't I make it 10 million this year? And I remember having a conversation with my VP about this. And I was like, yeah, 10 million is my big, hairy, uh, audacious goal. And we just started talking about what I would need to do to get there. Um, you know, focusing on very select uh, large current accounts that I had, um, and figuring out how to uh, help them with their investment in the solution and then turning it into a transformation project, a digital transformation project so that I could get to that number. Right. And of course I didn't hit $10 million, but I did get to 1.3, um, which was in the top 5% of sellers in my org, um, for the year, um, and in a, in a year that was crazy for a lot of people, 2022, the selling environment was just all over the place. Tech was going through a lot, a lot of layoffs, still is. Um, it felt good to hit that. And yeah, I missed my goal of 10 million. But the by asking the question of how would I get to $10 million in sales, it forced me to focus on the right areas and spend my time in the right places and uh, do the proper messaging, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not I'm not asking you to 10x your quota, but I'm I am telling you to start thinking about your business differently. Start setting some big hairy audacious goals for yourself and then come up with a plan to execute on that. How much pipeline do you need to go after that big hairy quota goal or um maybe it's something else. Maybe you need to earn a certain amount of money, right? To put a down payment on a house or you know, pay for a wedding. I know that was a big, big thing for me. I'm getting married this year and, you know, putting together funds in order to have um, my my fiance's dream wedding was a big motivating factor for me. And that's why I set such a high goal for myself. It was, it was, you know, the quota and the achievement, of course, but we're in sales. We like to make money. And um, that most definitely helped a ton. Um so think about what goals you have, you know, make them scary and and challenge yourself to get there. And um, that immediately puts you in an elite mindset, right? The people that can dream the most, that can dream the highest um, and set up a plan to achieve it are the ones who, who succeed, right? All right. That's uh, tip number three, set some big, hairy, audacious goals. And finally, tip number four is stop trying to win every deal. 
That sounds pretty crazy, right? I mean, why wouldn't you try to win every deal that comes your way? Well, the answer is pretty simple, actually. It's a massive waste of time. And, you know, I'm more guilty. I'm more than guilty of doing this numerous times over my entire career, although I think I've gotten better at it with time. But what I realized is that there are just some deals that no matter what you do as a seller, that deal will not close. And it's important to be able to identify which those are, or else you might find yourself working on a deal for weeks or months, uh, only for them to inevitably say no. And most of you should know what I'm talking about too. These are deals where that you've had where your intuition kicks in uh, early on and you know it probably won't work out but you still pursue it anyway because maybe there's a 10% chance, a 5% chance that it works out. I'm telling you that it's not worth it. It's a much more productive use of your time to invest in prospects and customers that are showing buying signs as opposed to prospects who don't. Now, what are the signs you might ask? Um, at Salesforce, we call it the P2V2. So power, plan, vision, and value. Power, you have direct access uh, to the decision makers and you've had a conversation with them on um, what your solution provides, the problem you solve and the value you deliver. Uh, plan, you have a mutual and plan in place that your prospect has agreed to so that you can execute the agreement in a timely fashion. Um, vision, you and the prospect can clearly artic articulate and agree upon a desirable future state based on what your solution could do for them and then value. This means that you know there is a pain or a problem you can solve. You can identify how solving that problem will help your customers uh, you know, qualitatively and quantitatively, and you are aligned on the fact that your solution can solve these problems. That last one, value, is one that um, has you know, led me to spend crazy amount of time on deals that the value just wasn't there. You know, I was trying to create pain or I was trying to uncover pain where there really wasn't any, you know, and what I've learned at the end of the, at the end of the day is most of the time when there isn't some sort of pain, there's just no reason why the prospect would have a need to sign off on the solution. Of course, you know, there's the other side, there's gain, but there's no urgency behind it. So why waste times, why waste time on deals that don't have urgency, right? Um, anyway, I would take those those four categories, um, power, plan, vision, and value. I would rate your deals on a scale of one to five with these four categories. And if your number is anywhere below a three, you might need to consider whether it's worth keeping in your pipeline. It's a fun exercise to do, even if you just go down your, your current list of opportunities that you're working on, and it may help you cut out a lot of fluff. Cut the fluff out and then focus your efforts on winning deals that are winnable instead of trying to, to win deals that um, are losing deals, right? And you can then start prospecting instead of spending your time trying to win deals that are you're going to lose on, you can prospect into businesses that actually have problems you can solve and who desire the future state that you can deliver. So that's it. Um, if you want to go from average to elite and enter the top 10% of sellers, you need to be doing these four things. You need to, number one, check your ego at the door every single day. Number two, be consistent. And when you do fall off, get back on track as soon as possible. Number three, set some big, hairy, audacious goals and work out a plan to achieve them. And then number four, stop trying to win losing deals. Instead, focus on winning the winnable ones. If you do these four things, 
I guarantee you, you will see your results go up substantially. You will be an elite sales performer and uh, you will be truly a a winner. So thanks for listening to this episode of Winning Streaks. If you liked and enjoyed this uh, episode, please do leave a review on iTunes or whatever um, podcast application that you're using. And I will see you next time. Thank you.